Welcome to Interchange. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. Interchange was founded inside of Bond, the embedded finance company, as a place for conversation, questioning, and open learning about the future of embedded finance. We have a special interchange today with Bond's senior counsel, Michael Chung. There's been a lot of conversation about Chime's use of the word, quote unquote, bank in their marketing and online presence this week. Folks like our friend Ron Shevlin from Cornerstone Advisors covered the what of this news pretty well already. You can find that link in the show notes. But for this episode, I wanted to bring in Mike to discuss a bit more nuance that exists between the lines of the legalese. We cover what the settlement means for the future of the industry. We read the tea leaves about what this means for the relationship between regulators and these fintech banks we always hear about. And lastly, we discuss how much this term bank even matters for the future of fintech. Let's get to it. Give me the thumbnail sketch of Mike, your senior counsel at Bond. What were you doing before you got to Bond? Before joining Bond, as you said, um, I'm senior counsel here. I was at the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco for four years. Um, and before that, I was at a technology startup called Optimizely in the marketing space. Um, my whole career, I've essentially been in technology. Um, but you know, I kind of made the jump to financial services with the Federal Reserve and now with Bond just because it's been a space that's just always been fascinating to me. I've been lucky enough to hear some of your stories from your previous life at the Fed, and we're going to have to do a separate podcast on just that alone at some point. And some of your experiences, even getting to see how how counterfeiters got super creative and stuff like that. I just love some of those stories. So more to come, listeners. We will have Mike back on so that we can di- dive into the the fascination of Mike's background. But today... Mike, we're going to cover something that you have actually helped educate me on a lot. This hot news in at pretty much everybody's Twitter feed right now and LinkedIn feed about Chime settling to not use the term bank anymore. And I probably even misdescribed the way that 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 news is actually coming together. But there's some different sides to this whole thing, right? There's uh, there's two political sides, as always. One side, uh, specifically to quote Representative Maxine Waters of California, she said, new entities, including big tech firms, are receiving unconventional bank charters, quote unquote, and offering bank products and services while evading regulations most banks, including community banks, must comply with. Okay, so that's one side of the perspective. The other side of the perspective comes from Representative Patrick McHenry of North Carolina, who's the ranking Republican on the financial services panel. And he said, the private sector is innovating to meet the wants and needs of all consumers. We should be encouraging our regulators to seek regulatory requirements that fit these advancements, not hinder them. Banking must evolve with current times. All right. That is enough quoting of politicians, but you get the sense of both sides of this whole thing. And Mike, your take on this is interesting because you actually read the settlement agreement. What was your take? Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of take a step back and and give some context here. Um, So according to the settlement agreement, um, so California's financial regulator essentially found that Chime's usage of the URL uh, chimebanking.com and the words 
bank and banking violated California Financial Code Section 561, right? So they did find a violation in, in, you know, in the settlement agreement um, without admitting fault. You know, Chime agreed to stop using that specific URL, right? And, and wherever it used the words banking and bank to describe itself, Chime also agreed to insert a disclaimer that states that Chime is not a bank and any banking services are provided by its banking partners and not by Chime. So it seemed to me just to be a pretty straightforward application of the law. Um, it, like there's two kind of takeaways for me though, when I was reading this and, you know, I'm kind of an optimistic person by nature and I, I did see optimism here. Right. Um, and I'm kind of just reading the tea leaves here, but in the opening section in the recitals, I think it's worth just kind of reading what the settlement agreement said. Um, and I, I don't know, you tell me if this is friendly or not. Right. So it reads yeah. chimes, Biz- chimes business model is predicated on partnering with certain banks, each a bank partner to provide innovative, fair, and responsible financial products to consumers to improve their financial health and assist them with their financial needs, right? So in those two quotes that you read to kind of kick us off, like what side of the spectrum does that description of Chime's business model fall on? It sounds like someone from Chime's PR department wrote marketing copy and then they included it in the recitals is what that sounds like to me. And for the for the sake of me having not gone to law school, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners having not done the same, is the recitals section just kind of, is that just like setting the stage to give context for what the rest of the settlement agreement covers or what, what is the recital section? Yeah, that's, that's right. It's just kind of sets the context for, you know, what they're agreeing to in the, in the rest of the settlement agreement. Um, but, you know, you should, I should also point out that generally these things are negotiated, right? Um, and so, you know, Chime obviously has a hand in, in determining what goes in there. But at the end of the day, both parties have to be okay with what's being put out there, right? So both parties have kind of signed up to describe Chime's business this way. Um, so I think, you know, I mean, I see this as kind of, and again, this is just kind of my take, but I see this as a regulator that is more or less supportive of Chime, right? Um, but wanting to also provide guidance to the industry. You know, I, I was able to flip through a couple of, you know, other settlement agreements put out by this particular body, the California Financial Regulator. And, you know, they don't, you know, they don't have to describe the businesses this way that they regulate. Um, and they don't, you know, in other settlement agreements. So I think I see this as the regulator kind of recognizing the the value that Chime is bringing to its customers. And I think that's impossible to deny, right? I mean, Chime has come onto the, the scene and they've exploded um, and they've provided products that their customers want and need. And, you know, ultimately I think that's a good thing. It seems like some of the friendlier legal language that I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just hoping that this is kind of a step in the direction of like fintechs and regulators collaborating more or even, you know, a sign of support, right. To, to, to support, to bring to market products that better serve the public. And, and, you know, at bond, that's what our whole mission is too, right. Is we have this mission of financial inclusion and enabling brands to bring financial products that meet people where they are, as opposed to the way that it's currently been, right? Which is, Hey, you have to get to this level before you can get a bank account, right? You have to be at, you know, we have to deem you kind of worthy in order for you to access the financial system. And, and I think, you know, Bond is trying to turn that behavior on its head in addition to all the other fintechs out there. 
Yeah. So it actually has more to do with access to the financial system. It has more to do with the average American being able to get away from that term of unbanked or underbanked. And it has more to do with just easing access into this thing that's been so convoluted in history. So it's actually a potentially a positive thing for the average consumer at the end of the day, which it seems like nobody's really talking about. Most folks are just kind of snarking back and forth about, you know, are they a bank? Are they not a bank? And it seems like what you're saying is that's not really what matters at all. And that's not even the conversation that that matters to the average American for sure. Well, you know, yes, I, I, I agree. I think what matters to the average American is that they get products that meet them where they are. Right. And I think for the most part, fintechs are trying to do that. I think there's a healthy pushback that needs to occur. Right. Like, you know, there needs to be that conversation in the marketplace that's kind of like, you know, hey, (laughs) like this rule is ridiculous and it's costing us X amount of money to comply with. And we're just trying to serve the public better. And that conversation definitely needs to be had. Um, and I think that conversation is being had, and I think that's a healthy conversation. Um, what I'm choosing to focus on is, you know, stepping past that and being like, okay, like what's next? Let's just assume that we know that fintechs are, are bringing to market products that are better for consumers. Um, and, and how do we work with regulators to, to bring those products forward in a safe way? Because at the end of the day, you know, like regulators aren't going anywhere, right? And for the most part, I think regulators are trying to do the right thing, right? Um, And, you know, fintechs aren't going anywhere because we've generally proven that we're providing products that consumers want, right? So the question is, is like, how do we kind of work together? And I think, you know, aside from like the, the nice language of how the regulator described Chime's business model, I think this is also good because I think it serves as a guidepost for other fintechs in terms of what to do and what not to do, right? I think if you're in compliance, right, and you're you're tasked with reviewing these marketing materials, then, you know, this makes your job a little bit easier and that you have something really concrete to point to when advising your marketing team, right? Um, it's, it's a very clear, a clear line has been drawn, right? I, I think to get to your point, like, you can, that's where you can start the argument of like, okay, well, are we actually confusing consumers more when they log in and Chime says, we are not a bank, we are a financial technology company. Does that stop consumers from signing up? And I think there's a healthy debate to be had there as well. Uh, but like I said, generally, I see this, um, I'm, I'm choosing to read this settlement agreement optimistically. Well, you wouldn't be at a startup if you weren't a little bit of an optimist, if you were just a pessimist every single day. I don't think you and I would be getting along very well, and I don't think you'd fit very well at Bond. So that makes a lot of sense that you're reading it that way. The other thing that comes to mind for me, kind of speaking of Bond and trying not to you know, make this a commercial, but just based on the amount of conversations that we're having with different brands, this word bank is not really something that comes up much outside of the world in which you live as senior counsel, right? Like in the banking agreements with sponsor banks, et cetera, et cetera, the word bank comes up a lot. But the future of this embedded finance thing, as you said, meeting 
finance meeting people where they live thinking of, you know, we had Arlene on uh, last episode and Arlene's a good example coming from a firm of somebody that was at a company that wasn't known even really as a financial institution, probably by most average Americans, right? They would, they would get to the end of that, that process on Zappos of wanting to buy a pair of shoes. And then they'd say, Oh, I can split this into four payments. Great. But they didn't think a firm bank. They didn't think a firm lending. I think they just thought, oh, that's convenient. Right. So the other piece of this whole thing is the does this even matter? Right. It matters maybe for the neo banks and some of the folks like Chime. Sure. But based on what we're seeing, I think the future is, you know, a lot more about the the trust and the ubiquitous nature of these brand names, not attaching you know, brand name X to the term bank, it's almost becoming unimportant at this point, it seems. What What do you think? I would totally agree with that. Like, I think this type of thinking or this type of line of, of, of reasoning was, was probably more an issue at the very beginning of fintech, fintech starting to take off, excuse me. Um, but like I said, I think, you know, Chime has really already proven its value in the marketplace. I don't want this to be a Chime commercial, but you go on and you read the reviews, right? And like, people rave about it because they're producing a product that helps people, right? Um, and so I'm hoping that, you know, we can kind of get past this bank or not bank distinction um, and bypass that whole argument, you know, with respect to, you know, this is going to confuse consumers, Right. And, and hopefully, and my view is, and my take is that fintech is here to stay. You know, I'm in agreement with you on that. <laughs> I think what's going to be really interesting is, you know, I, I spend a lot of time and have spent a lot of time, especially in past lives, talking to early stage fintech founders, a number of which have done some really, really creative things to find special spots within regulations where they can thrive for a certain amount of time. Right. And Chime, again, not a Chime commercial, but they're so good. You can't ignore them. Right. The Steve Martin quote is be so good. They can't ignore you. And Chime is there. Right. And the regulators are aware of it. And once you've reached that size, it's just bound to happen that you're going to have some of these conversations. Right. And luckily, Chime has done has been a good actor in the space, has done good things for the average American, has done good things for the industry of fintech and financial services itself. So it wasn't a big blow up. Right. It's just are we a bank? Are we not a bank? It's not are we taking advantage of people? Or are we not? But there's, you know, lenders potentially at an early stage or P2P lenders that are, you know, pre-series A or maybe just post-series A that it's going to be really interesting to see how some of these things shake out when we get into those companies growing large enough when the regulators will really start to pay attention. So maybe that's just, you know, kind of foreshadowing for a future episode. And we're going to have to have you back on to discuss the the ins and outs of that world. But it's really just interesting to watch fintech become more and more mainstream and become ubiquitous. That's the other thing that this tells me is that people are paying attention now to the point where people care, including the regulators and the average American. I didn't even think about it that way, Zach. Like that's, that's an interesting way to think about it. It's, you know, having gratitude for the fact that, you know, this came out on a good actor, right? Because there are certainly like in, in every instance, right? There, in every industry, in every business, in every vertical, there are bad actors. Um, it, you know, and you can look, you can look at crypto as like a real time example, 
right? Like there's so much promise, right? And there's, there's so, there, there's so much opportunity, but there's also tons of bad actors in the space that are just taking, taking advantage. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, I just tend to agree with you. I think, I think FinTech is here to stay. I think for the most part, you know, most companies, hopefully most companies that you talk to, you understand where they're going and they're driven by people that, that again, are, have this mission of financial inclusion. Cause I think that's what we're talking about here, right? Like it's just, it's just the notion that the, the earlier that you can get folks to think about their finances, um, you know, the, the more responsible that person can be. Right. And I think, you know, and this is a broader topic perhaps for another session, but you know, why don't we teach financial like responsibility in schools? You know, like why isn't oh. this like a main topic that we're driving home with like all children, right? This, this, you know, to become independent and to like manage your finances. I mean, it's just, it, to me, it's just a simple, it's a simple way to kind of, you know, increase the health of society. It is. It is. I absolutely agree. And now you got me thinking about, you know, some of the other, uh, well, now they're becoming big elephants in the room, right? The currents, the green lights, the steps that are taking private sector angles on that, at least to some degree in terms of trying to help younger folks be banked. But still, at the end of the day, those are, you know, whatever the next generation of Henry's is, they're generally going after that, right? It's still not necessarily broadening access in the geographical areas or broadening access in the socioeconomic stratas that we would hope. And it's maybe just like the kids of some of the folks that, you know, were on the early Henry apps, the SoFi's of the world, right? And none of it's bad stuff. It's all good for the world. It's all steps in the right direction. But it's going to be interesting to to watch all this unfold in the future. So I think that's a beautiful spot to end it. Mike, thank you for taking the time to do this. I guess we should get back to work. <laughs> yes. Until the next time, my friend. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Interchange with Michael Chung. As promised, I linked to Ron Shevlin's piece in Forbes, as well as the most recent TechCrunch article on the situation, if you want to dig in and get some more background. Interchange was founded inside of Bond to benefit the founders, bankers, and humans working inside this next generation of financial services. We hope that you're learning, enjoying, and maybe even laughing along. We love this world, and we're passionate about every piece of it. Let us know what you'd like to learn more about, who you'd like to hear from, and what's getting you out of bed in the morning in this wild world of fintech in which we live. If you'd like to learn more about Bond, please reach out. You can get a hold of me at Zach at Bond.tech. Check out the show notes and Bond blog for a deeper dive if you're still listening and just can't get enough. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a review and a rating, maybe even a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. Until our next interchange.